is for camp two and it's called living above the line or it's called laws of living above the line and the um, file name should be laws, L-A-W-S, above, A-B-O-V. We're talking about something different from what you were before. And I want to use the example <clears throat> of being what we're calling a center manager for Athenor. The job taking on the job of being a center manager for Athenor. So, in order to be a center manager, you must be first become a center. Now, this whole, <clears throat> all of the laws everything that we describe, everything that's described here is generalizable. What that means is that any job that you take on, a significant enough job will, will respond and function according to the same laws and principles that we're going to discuss here. So, I'm using the example of a center manager for Athenor, but any project, <clears throat> any significant enough project, um, will, this will relate to. This will relate to a significant, you know, any project that's significant enough. By significant, oh, I mean big enough. And by big enough, what I mean is bigger than you. So, um, one underlying principle that we're using here is that the purpose or the method by which one learns, like the purpose of life is to become more aware purpose of life is to learn and the, the, the way to maximize learning is by maximizing your mistakes <clears throat> the more mistakes you make the more you learn the quicker you learn if you're paying attention so the principle is to um, fail or make mistakes at greater and greater levels. 
<clears throat> fail at bigger and bigger things. So I don't mean by being naive. I don't mean being naive. I don't mean being stupid. I don't mean um, being foolhardy. What I mean is taking calculated risks and <clears throat> and and putting yourself in a position to serve at a high level. That's that's what a significant enough job is. So I'm declaring that um, taking on the job of being a center manager for Athenor and making what Athenor is available <coughs> in a new place, you know, making it available to the people in a new city or in a new area, a different area, that is a, a high-level service job. So that is a significant enough, that's what I mean by a significant job. So um, in order to be a center manager, you must first become a center. You must first be a center. And a center is, is like the middle of something. A center is, for example, in a wheel, like a wheel on a bicycle, the center is called the hub, or the, uh, the place through which the axle rotates. And um, the, the, the tire itself, the thing that actually goes around, is um, connected to the center, or the hub, by spokes. And what that means is like everything goes, everything um, circles or goes around the center. So the center is that, um, that everything is focused on and that everything goes around. So in order to be a center, um, there, it, being a center is something, is something other than being not a center. So being a center is a, um, a big task. It's not nothing. It's a significant task. So what I want to talk about is what it means to be a center. So a center, for example, is attractive in in terms of um, it's almost like a sun um, for example it would be a better metaphor to just skip the the tire and a bicycle thing and um, f so forget the tire and bicycle and we'll use the sun as a metaphor the sun is the center and uh, what that means is that the planets the planets go around the sun. The planets circle, circumnavigate the sun. And the reason that the uh, planets go around the sun is because the sun is attractive. Now, in, in the stellar um, mechanics, the force which holds or the, there's an, um, the force that the attract. The, uh, let me start again. Yeah. The. In order to be a center, you must 
be able to be attractive. Who you are or what you are is attractive. So the sun is attractive and what it, the force that the, 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 the mechanical force through which the sun is attractive is called gravity. So there's a gravitational force that is attractive and it attracts the other, attracts the planets. So what, um, what, what it is that makes the sun have so much enough, attra so much attraction, um, so much enough gravitational force to, to hold the planets in orbit around it, like to be the center. The, the factor that gives the sun enough power to be the center, have enough force to hold the planets around it is, um, is its mass. Because gravitational, gravitational force is directly proportional to mass. So in relationship to the planets, the sun has an incredible amount of mass. The sun is way more massive than any one of the planets. If one of the planets were more massive than the sun, the sun would orbit around that planet. So one of the definitions of a center is that part of a formation that has the most mass. And it is that, that mass that all the planets circle around. And they, they are held in their orbit by the force of gravity that is directly proportional to the mass of the center, or the sun. In this way, something greater than the sun and something greater than the planets exists. And what exists is the configuration of the planets and the sun which we call a solar system, or a stellar planetary system. So that system of, 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 a, of a star and planets and the moons around the planets and the asteroids around the sun and the various meteors, meteors and... Uh, uh, um, what are those things called? Oh, the things that have a big tail on them. Come on. What are those called? Like comets. Thank you. The comets, that, um, that whole system is greater than the sun and greater than the planets. However, it would not exist if the sun, with all its mass, was not functioning as the center for the entire system. So the, the sun serves the planets and the planets serve the sun. However, the role of the sun, which is what we're talking about, the center manager, the role of the center manager is to be the center around which the entire system uh, ev uh, revolves. Without the sun, there would be no system. So, um, in, so in this way, there's a reciprocal serving going on. So the question is, how can an individual acquire mass? How can an individual have so much mass 
that they can be a center, significant and a large enough center that an, that an entire organization would orbit around it. You know, for all of the enrollment teams, for all the events to happen, for all the support personnel, for the graduate body to um, continue to exist, you know, to, to have a, a space, to have an office, to have all the equipment, to have the computer and telephone lines and, and relationships that exist and the, the extra, extra activities that happen for all of this to orbit around an individual or a couple, you know, two people. It's called um, a system, <laughs> that's interesting, a system that has uh, two stars. Uh, it's possible to have um, two stars. Interesting. It's possible to have two stars be the center. However, um, planets cannot normally orbit around a, a dual star system because the the orbit is unstable for the planets. So. What has to happen, and this is true also for a center manager, is that one of the individuals needs to be the center, and the other star needs to, to have enough less mass that it orbits around the first star. There needs to be a primary star. A secondary star has to be secondary enough that it orbits around the primary star. If you've got two if you've got two stars that have um, e equivalent mass, you have um, they they either need to be far enough apart that they each have separate orbit things going around them, or whatever. Anyway, so that whole double star thing is unnecessary. In any case, how can a single individual accumulate or or possess or own or be massive enough that an entire system can orbit around them, can revolve around them? And the answer is that they can't. Um, or, or if they do, you, you know, if they are, it's, a, a, it's what's called a megalomaniac. It's an, um, an indi if an individual actually possesses pos enough mass for a system to orbit around them, um, it's, it's an ego, you know, to possess something is an egotistical thing, an egoic thing. So for an individual to have enough mass to be a center, they have to be, you know, a megalomaniac, an, a giant, have to have a giant ego. So um, the model that we want to suggest here is that for an individual to serve as a center for an entire system to orbit around them, um, the mass has to come from someplace else or something else. And what I want to suggest is that um, an individual can acquire or can, can be the source of um, a, um, a huge mass in the same way that a sales representative for IBM can represent IBM Corporation. So um, what that means is that an, a, an individual can have this much, enough mass to be a center if they 
sign a contract, essentially, and take on the job of, of, of serving something greater than themselves in the same way that a, a sales representative serves IBM Corporation. So a sales representative um, shows up in a, an area or a district and, and really, truly represents the entire um, manufacturing and support system capability of the entire IBM organization. You know, thousands and thousands of people, millions and millions of dollars up from the entire planet, you know, in every country around the world. Um, a, a single sales representative represents that and has that kind of power, represents that kind of mass, so that uh, a sales manager, for example, for a country, um, can have hundreds of employees or hundreds of assistant salesmen or um, offices in each of the states of a country or each of the big cities of a country and um, can have an, an entire system of staff and crew and product delivery and uh, support and sales and support um, um, systems set up simply because um, they are, have signed on to represent the tremendous mass that is IBM Corporation. So IBM Corporation is the actual mass. And um, I want to use some other words for mass or for that for that um, phenomena. And I want to say that IBM Corporation is the source of that which makes the sales representative awesome. It's it's where his power comes from. The source of his power is that which he's serving. So. Let's say a person wants to become a sales manager for, or a sales representative for IBM Corporation. In order for him to apply for the job, or her, they must um, have in their conception of who they are, um, let me say it the other way around, in order for them to get this job, they must not have the conception of who they are that, uh, that they are not special enough to hold this job. <clears throat> See, who we are, <clears throat> how we show up, is our story about ourselves. So the story about ourselves that we hold in place is the limit or is the limit of what's possible for us so if we have a story about ourselves that does is not grand enough to include the possibility that we can r represent the source a, a, a an awesome source like if we're not if our story is not that we're uh, capable of doing that then then that story displaces 
the possibility of us doing that. It's impossible. No two stories can occupy the same place at the same time. So in order for a person to become a center manager, they must allow to disintegrate uh, all stories that they have about themselves that, that, that declare that they are not special enough or do not have the capacity for holding that position. So we're not, we're not talking about building a, a fantasy. We're not actually talking about doing anything. What we're talking about is being, um, being a different story. So the story that one has must that one must have about themselves is that um, you know who I am is it has the capacity to be a center manager. Like that must be that story must replace any all, all and every every and all other stories that we have that that preclude that from happening. So so to be a center manager we must we must have moved through all of those um, limiting concepts of who we are, the stories about who we are that would pr that would disallow us to be a center manager and that's all it takes to be a center manager once once the stories that we can't be a center manager have disintegrated, the actuality of being a center manager can manifest in its place. Um, nature abhors a vacuum. Nature will fill a vacuum. So what we want to do is is vacate vacate the, the the story, the part in us, vacate the place within us that ha holds the story that we cannot be a center manager and allow allow a new story to show up in its place. So it's simply a matter of acknowledging that um, that um, we're that we are committed and not committed, scratch that. Um, it's a matter of letting go of a story that disempowers us and allowing to take its place a story, just another story, but one that empowers us. So we must first be able to conceive of that story, you know, that, that that's a possibility. So um, there must be a disidentification with the story that disempowers us a space between us and the story that we're not identified with us, that we, we somehow come to realize that we are not our story about ourselves. So that particular story that, that gives us the freedom to allow another story to show up in its place and we can select any story we choose actually and we, may, we, we might commit ourselves to selecting or choosing a story that empowers us and specifically one that empowers us to have the capacity to be a center for Athenor, to be a center manager. Once we have a story about ourselves that allows us 
to be a center manager, then, um, then the things that I'm about to talk about will start to make sense. So a center manager must have the capacity to be connected to in a service relationship, to, um, connected to the source of that which makes things awesome. In, in the, using the um, stellar metaphor, um, the a person must be willing to be connected to a source of a, of, of a, a massive amount of mass um, because th that so this thing that is called being the source of that or being connected to the source of that which makes things awesome which is to be a center that whole phenomena can only occur above the line. And above the line, life above the line is an entirely, has a, is an entirely different universe than life below the line. The two universes are not connected to, to each other. They're divided by a line. And in any given situation or circumstance, one is either above the line or below the line. There's nothing like being partially above the line or partially below the line. It's either above the line or below the line. And as human beings, what we are familiar with is life below the line. And we are familiar with all of the laws and all of the uh, loopholes for those laws so um, that we can squeak by and slide by and sneak by and um, get by and through all the loopholes in the laws below the line. But below the line there are many, many laws and they are not held very strictly. Um, you know, you can go faster than 55 miles an hour anytime there's no policeman with a radar around. Um, you can go through a red light in Europe anytime there's not one of those mechanisms that automatically detects your car passing and takes a photograph of you breaking the law. So there, there are many, many loopholes because the laws below the line are not held so strictly. Above the line as a different set of circumstances. Above the line, there are fewer laws. However, the laws are held in place more strictly. That means it's, there, there aren't, there, the, the farther above the line you go, the fewer and fewer laws there are, and the tighter and tighter they're held. The less possibility there is of breaking the law or, and not suffering dire consequences. It's kind of like the difference between walking on a sidewalk and walking on a high tightrope line.
you know, if you're walking on a sidewalk and you don't pay attention to where you put your next foot, the worst thing that could happen is you step in a pile of dog shit. Or, you know, you step off the curb and you twist your ankle. But if you're on a high tightrope line and you put your foot in the wrong place, you could die. Now, I'm not saying that by making a mistake when you're functioning above the line and operating according to the laws above the line that you're going to die. I'm just saying that the consequences are significant in terms of what you're trying to create when you don't function according to the laws above the line, when you try to break the laws above the line. The laws are held more firmly. So this is not meant to frighten you. It's just uh, one of the laws. You know, the law above the line is that the laws are held more strictly. And if you don't work according to the laws, what you're trying to create won't happen. It won't manifest, or it won't continue to exist, and won't maintain, or it won't redirect according to how you need it to redirect to serve what needs to happen. <clears throat> Maybe a better metaphor would be um, the difference between building a sandcastle at the beach where you're just kind of piling this and that together here and there and um, it's only, you know, two or three feet tall at the most. And that's, you know, that's a significant sandcastle. Um, and it takes you, you know, an hour to build it. And um, if, if some of the structures aren't strong enough and they fall apart, nobody's going to get hurt. And uh, the whole thing will get washed away in the next high tide versus building a high-rise skyscraper, um, which necessitates following the, uh, um, the well-known and established safety factors within, uh, um, for, the, for the various materials being used, like concrete and steel and glass, you know, the, the, there are safety factors built in the calculations that are, are taken into consideration so that the high-rise um, can withstand high winds or earthquakes or uh, floods or rainstorms or natural, you know, lightning, lightning hits, lightning bolt hits or any other natural or um, man-made stresses. And if you don't, not only that, but they have to meet certain <clears throat> health and safety codes, um, you know, so that the stairs are a certain width and the elevators have a, have a uh, certain capacity of people to move up and down in case of a fire or, um, you know, that there's a water tank at the top of the building so that if the electricity goes off and you need to pump... Uh, water into a built into the building where uh, there's a fire like through the through the um, fire extinguishing system that the gravity pulls the water through it you don't need an electric pump to make the water go those kinds of if you don't follow those laws you, um, the building doesn't function 
doesn't serve the purpose for which it's meant. And the laws are very strict compared to the laws of building a sandcastle. So um, let's erase the metaphor of walking on the sidewalk versus what? No, let's leave it there. It's fine. We use both metaphors, metaphorically speaking. So above the line, a different set of laws apply, and I want to describe a couple of the laws. Camp 2 is about learning to, to use or function according to the laws above the line. How to live above the line means how to use or utilize or function within the laws that operate in that domain which is a totally different domain than from below the line. So, above the line, where responsibility can take place, where one, where one can be responsible. See, ego, or the act, or the mask, does not have the capacity to be responsible. It does not, it's not, it can't hold that. It, it's not, it does not have the capacity to be responsible. A responsibility occurs above the line, it does not occur below the line. So <clears throat> there are different um, ways in which taking responsibility can occur. One way that we're familiar with is called making a commitment. So um, making a commitment usually means that you are doing something that serves you. Making a commitment or keeping a commitment, for example, keeping your word is a, um, if you do not keep your word, then, then you are harmed in a way. You know, your, your reputation is harmed or your um, reliability is undermined. So you are affected by um, making a commitment by um, either keeping or not keeping your commitments, your promises, you are affected. So, <clears throat> so that is one level of taking responsibility above the line is called making a commitment. <clears throat> Another refinement in um, taking responsibility would be the would be taking us what we call taking a stand now in taking a stand what you're usually doing is um, becoming a like a position you are you are shifting the, the center of who you are to being that thing that does what is necessary that um, who you know to become that thing whose speaking and acting is consistent with the stand that you take so definitely you are involved 
yet um, taking a stand usually is uh, for a greater purpose than yourself. It usually is an act of service. It usually provides value in a bigger picture than simply making a commitment. A commitment is a smaller, um, it uh, functions in a smaller domain. It's a, it's a grosser law. There, the, the laws that deal with taking a stand are more refined and more specific. And um, therefore, the act of taking a stand is a far more powerful act than simply making a commitment. Yet both are ways in which our responsibility can be taken. So we have discovered that there exists even a further refinement in terms of, an, of a way or a manner in which responsibility is taken. And that, that, that next generation or, or next evolutionary step in terms of how a responsibility is taken is really the, um, the main subject of this conversation that we're having here. Because becoming a center manager can only really occur by using this third and more refined um, method of taking responsibility. This, the capacity to take responsibility in this third way um, cannot occur for, cannot, cannot be, cannot happen let me, let me see, cannot be accomplished by a person who does not have the capacity to take responsibility in the first two ways. That is, in other words, they must, a person must first be able to make and keep commitments consistently. You know, uh, uh, like almost um, perfectly, almost perfectly. It must be a matter of course, a simple, you know, day-to-day um, standard mode of operation and taking a stand must be uh, uh, must must be a similar um, um, common accessory to their life I mean it must be almost like an arm or a leg an appendage or a, a mode of relating to the world that um, that uh, that a person has is um, uses. It must be. <laughs> Somebody has to edit this. Um, I mean, I won't get into it. Okay. So the third level, the third um, generation of ways in which responsibility is taken is um, the, it, it can only occur when a person is willing to not be there. So let me say how that might come about. <clears throat> the 
for a person would learn how to uh, take responsibility in this third way by placing themselves into a position where something must occur that is bigger than they have the capacity to do that they have the the third level of responsibility can only occur where when a when a person puts themselves into a position where where something is called forth out of necessity, where something is necessary, where something is needed that is, is bigger than they have the, the personal individual capacity to provide. And therefore, in order for such a service to occur, in order for this, for something to ha for this kind of a thing to happen, that it must come from some place other than from themselves. So, what we, what we, the model here, what we assume is, is that um, that which occurs comes from that something that is greater than themselves that they are serving. So the source of the service is that which is being served. And the person providing this service is actually a tube, or actually functions as a tube through which this doingness happens. Being able to do this, being able to put yourself in such a situation where you are the tube through which um, a, a huge, you know, big service happens, is not a matter of understanding um, how to provide this service. It's not a matter of being able to explain how this service can happen. It is simply a matter of being willing to put yourself into a position where you are that tube through which this service can appear, through which this service can manifest. The service does not occur as a result of a person's faith, because this is not a matter of faith. Uh, it does not occur because a person trusts, because the, what appears or what the, of what's happening, what is happening is not a matter of trust. It's, both of those would be uh, manifestations of a certain level of naivete. It's like what we're talking about here is um, third level responsibility mechanics the mechanics of manifesting responsibility at the third level. We're talking alchemical engineering, and we're talking about techniques of alchemical engineering. So, in terms of being a center manager, a center manager 
it um, puts themselves, by signing a contract with Athenor Incorporated, they're putting themselves into a position where many things are necessary and required um, in, order, in, order to, in order for this job to be fulfilled. Um, all of these things that are necessary to be required, um, the center manager does not necessarily know how to do. Um, they do not necessarily have the knowledge or the experience previous to that time to be to able to do those things. It's like they're not necessarily previously trained to be able to do those things. Um, you, you know, it would be it would take years and years of of college education and training and business experience and um, small group dynamics experience and management skills and communication skills and computer skills and um, marketing skills and uh, you know to amass all of this training would take you know 20 30 years of training before one would even begin to start to have the ability to do this job so this this is this is how the linear world functions and this is how um, you know, one might logically or reasonably approach the problem of becoming a center manager. What we're talking about here is does not operate. Responsibility at the third level does not operate according to the lo linear laws of of reasonableness. Third level, you know, responsibility um, occurs outside of the domain of reason. Turning the tape over.
from a linear viewpoint, becoming a center manager is impossible. It, um, yet, yet we have demonstrated over and over again that um, individuals who place them, who willingly and and uh, like uh, through wise innocence place themselves into into this position of it being necessary to provide a high level of service uh, have proven to become have proven to be successful center managers not because they've been trained for it not because they're experts not because they're masters but simply because they are willing to um, be the tube through which this service occurs and radically rely on the, uh, the source of that service to provide everything that is, n that is necessary for them to be able to do what they have to do. And they don't know about... Um, they, there's no guarantee in this radical reliance. There is no... Um, there's, there's no promise made that what's needed or wanted will, uh, you know, what is necessary. For, like, there's no guarantee that what they need, they will be given. It's, it's, um, it's a function of um, their capacity to serve in that way. So. The terminology that we use to describe this third level of taking responsibility is to become the space in which something occurs. So, for example, a trainer for the event, in order to become, in order to, um, in, in order to be a fully certified Athenor trainer, a person must be the space in which transformation occurs. That must be who they are. It's not like they are a, a commitment about something. It's not that they are a stand about something. What they are is a space in which transformation occurs. If you look at what what that is, what that says, what it says is that nobody's there. It's, it's not like somebody's there taking a stand. It's like nobody's there. They are a space. They are a, um, a vacancy, a, um, a holding pattern. They are a, a, like a resonant, um, a resonant opening, or a resonant vacant a resonant void through which service occurs or through which um, the doingness happens and the doingness all comes from something greater than them greater greater than who they would be as a person as an individual so the same is true for uh, a center manager in order for the function or the manifestation center manager to occur, a center manager must be the space in which being a center occurs, being a managed center.
occurs. And in order for a center, that thing that we're calling a center to occur, occur that person must be the space in which the source of that which makes things awesome manifests or, or is present because that is that is what produces gravity that's what produces attraction for um, all the other people to orbit around so a center manager is the space in which the source of that which makes things awesome manifests so you know a center manager kind of looks at themselves in the mirror and goes I am the space in which the source of that which makes things awesome does its work. That's who I am. I am a space in which a source, an, the awesome, you know, the, this huge source, this endless, infinite source of that which makes things awesome does its work. That's who I am. And the way that relationship is established is a center manager um, has a story about themselves that this is possible for them, that, that, that they have the capacity for that, and they have a willingness to do this job without being trained to do it, without knowing how to do it. They are, they are willing to be, um, to serve in this way. They're, they're willing to be this space naked. That means with no tricks, no tools, no training, no background, no um, knowledge, no um, handy-dandy guidebooks, no uh, techniques, you know, no processes. They are willing to be the space in which the source of that which makes things awesome does its work. And if, and that is how a center manager um, um, can do their job. That is how the job of center manager occurs. So the distinction there is that it is not the center manager, it is not as a person doing the work. They are simply the space in which that work occurs. And, and, um, and they serve that. That is what they're serving. They are the space through which the service flows. To be that space, a person m must have a regard or a certain regard for what is occurring through them. That they have the capacity to be to not judge it as right or wrong, or good or bad, or nice or not nice, but they they um, they they must have the capacity to regard what occurs by neither being attracted to it nor repelled by it, but simply being the space in which it happens, because what will happen will be beyond what what they know about and can do and 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 um, 
if they are attracted or repelled by it, for example, if they think, oh, I'm doing a great job, or, oh, this is really benefiting me, or I'm really serving the world, or um, I'm really successful now, all of those opinions are stories about yourself that will limit um, the third, this third method of taking responsibility from happening. There are stories that do not have the um, capacity to sustain being a space. When you, when you shift from moving from taking a stand, which is really like a story about yourself in a certain way, um, to being a space, the shift is moving from a, a certain kind of a regard or story about yourself to having no story about yourself, to having no story about what's happening through you. Um, what you are is the space in which that, what is wanted and needed, occurs. And what is wanted and needed by the source that you're serving. And for that to happen, there can be no, um, there can be no judgments about it or opinions about it or story about it. That being a space means there is no story. Now, in order to get, in order to get to the place or the possibility of being a person who is willing to serve as the space through which, or the space in which. the source of that which makes things awesome can do its work. Um, a significant amount of like psychological work has to have happened or, you know, a person has to come to that through um, work on themselves, through becoming aware of their stories about themselves enough so that they realize that they are not their stories about themselves, so that there's, so that, that who they are so that, so that who they are is actually centered in this experience of being nothing, of being that space. Because it is only through being the space that the, that the, the, the source of that which makes things awesome can manifest. So, in terms of our work in the event, and in terms of camp, you know, all of the all of the mentoring and all of the processing and support groups and campfire meetings and dealing with levels of responsibility by being a job master or fulfilling any kind of jobs on the enrollment team or in the event itself, you know, keeping the chairs in line or having the puke bucket there before it's needed and taking, you know, and, and being able to show up in those capacities 
all of that has to have occurred um, r really before a person has evolved or moved to the place where um, they have the capacity to be a space through which the source of nothing can do its work, can manifest, can um, show up. It's like You know, the, the source, when I say the source of that which makes things awesome, when I say that, what I mean is, like, that, uh, the space that's invoked by a trainer when they um, call down a sacred space or create a sacred space or invoke a sacred space, like, the source of the training itself is the sacred space. Uh, it isn't the trainer. It's tra so... So, in terms of a center manager, um, the center manager is not the source of uh, the activity, the, the, you know, the, the, the attractiveness or the, the blessing that um, is being made available through them. They're not the source of that. They're the space through which that occurs. And it's the same, really, it's, it's, um, it's, it's why Athenor Incorporated exists. It exists, you know, Athenor Incorporated is the space through which um, the, you know, the event occurs. It's, it's the space through which the, the work of the event occurs. And as space holder for, the, for Athenor Incorporated, you know, really Pornus Steinitz must be the space through which um, transformation occurs. Porna Sinus is the original, Porna is the original Athenor trainer. And it's because of his willingness to be the space through which transformation occurs. That is the, that is how Athenor exists. So, um, it, you know, this third level of, of taking responsibility has awesome power. It has awesome transformational power and um, it is it is that a manifestation of the alchemical laws a manifestation of the alchemical laws that allows one human being one person to make a difference one human being to make an awesome contribution to humanity This is what Camp 2 is about. This is the training of Camp 2. Is how, is how to become the space through which an awesome contribution to humanity can occur. And in order to have that capacity, in order to become that space, one one must have the capacity to uh, endure that intensity, that level of intensity. Now, what I mean by intensity, for example, would be um, um, the ability or the willingness to experience 
and express, for example, 100% rage, and thereby be the space through which the warrior archetype can occur, can do its work, or the the um, the willingness to endure the intensity of 100% terror manifesting and being, you know, experiencing and expressing 100% terror, thereby being the space in which the magician archetype can function, can show up, or being willing to endure the intensity, having the capacity, you know, um, to, to experience and express 100% sadness, um, thereby becoming the space through which the lover archetype can occur, or being willing to experience and express 100% joy, thereby becoming the space through which the king or queen archetype can occur. So, in order to have the ability to experience and express 100% of these feelings, um, one must have uh, no resistance to them. If you're, um, if you're talking about electric current, for example, and you're conducting electric current through a conductor, excuse me, electric current is flowing through a conductor and the conductor has uh, impurities or it has um, resistance, that, um, then the greater the flow of current, electric current, the um, higher the heat which manifests. Um, and if there is too much current or too much resistance, then the heat will be um, big enough that it actually melts the conductor. And um, so that the, um, you know, so that the component burns out, um, so, that, so that the uh, system doesn't function. So what we're talking about here is um, being able, like enduring that level of 100% of intensity um, can only occur through a conductor that has no resistance. And a conductor that has no resistance is called a, called a superconductor. But what that is, it's just, um, it's really uh, a space. So um, a center manager must, have, must be willing to endure that level of intensity and that, and that only comes through um, really practice. That comes through practice. And practice not by effort of will, you know, not by being a, um, a um, not by being a, a commitment or not by being a stand, but by being a space. It's like um, practice by effort of will is seducible. 
it is um, there's there um, can have a resistance. There's a certain level of resistance that um, the mind can that the mind is such that uh, at a, at a high enough level of of intensity, uh, the heat will burn it. You know, will burn out and disconnect and and uh, like kind of self-sabotage an arrangement so that it won't occur. You know, so that what's what's needed and wanted can't occur because um, other psychological emergencies arise miraculously, unexpectedly, um, unpredictably, and uncontrollably. And um, you know, ego wins, so that that there is really still a story in this space, or still a um, still a reason, you know, to not do something or or have to do something, rather than being the space through which the source of nothing can do its work. So, really, this whole conversation is based on the premise that. Athenor itself and the, is uh, the, the source of the work of Athenor is the source of that which makes things awesome. And um, if, you, you know, this is the thing is that this is not a matter of belief. We're not talking about belief here. It's not like I said before. It's not a matter of faith or a matter of um, whatever I said before. Um, it's not a matter of belief. It's a matter of direct personal experience. So one comes to know that one is serving a, a source that is um, that is um, in alignment with something that they want to be aligned with, or a source that is something that they want to be aligned with, and they only can come to that through direct personal experience. So in the event. Um, it's simple. It's a um, simple, every event kind of process that a person can experience this, and um, um, there's no way to arrange that. There's no way to create that. That. Um, is an experience that occurs when it's possible for it to occur. It's waiting to occur all the time. It is um, potential. It's a possibility in every event, for example. Um, like the event would be an ideal environment in which that um, could be experienced, and once it's experienced, a new reference point is uh, is set into the body, and thereafter, the, um, a direct experience of the source of Athenor can be had um, whenever it's necessary to be had. So. This, this whole conversation is based on, um, for example, my personal direct experience of the source of Athenor being, being uh, something that uh, um, 
I am willing to serve un, uninhibitedly, un, without hesitation, without um, inhibitions. You know, with, with um, I'm willing to invest my entire capacity as a, as a man, or as a person, into, in, um, in that, because um, because of my experience of that, and uh, by me saying this. Uh, no matter how much another person believes this or wants to believe this or wants to experience this for themselves, um, nothing will happen for them until, or for you, nothing will happen for you, no matter how much you want it to, until such time as, as it serves the source of that which makes things awesome for it to occur. So the trick, the trick here, you know, the alchemical, the mechanics of alchemy, the law of the mechanics of alchemy that I want you to have as a result of this conversation or this is, um, is knowing that by placing yourself into a position through which um, that into a position that makes uh, it necessary for you to be transformed then the transformation can occur because it's, it's necessary. It's needed by the source. And by transformation, I mean shifting from being a commitment or being a stand or before that even being a person, you know, being a psychology, a psychological defense strategy by... So what's great about this principle of placing yourself in a position where um, something is necessary to occur is that it operates at, at every level. <clears throat> For example, you don't have to you can uh, you don't have to become a center manager to take advantage of this principle. You can use it on your way towards becoming a center manager. Uh, and as as I mentioned, you know, as we began this conversation, um, these laws and principles uh, um, pertain to any and all projects that, in particular, um, significant projects, which are those projects which function to um, s 
as to function as being uh, of service to something greater than the project itself or the project originator, him or herself. And so even if you're moving in the direction of um, becoming a source person for a, a, a major project and you begin by um, doing minor projects or uh, training yourself or serving somebody else who's doing a major project or perhaps even serving somebody who is serving somebody else who is doing a major project. You, can, you are still placing yourself in a position where um, the work, the transformational work required to become a source person yourself for a significant project is necessary. And if it is necessary, it will occur. So, um, so in your work with Athenor and your work in camp and camp two, um, use, use this as a guideline um, in your life. Um, like a measuring factor or a, um, a meter detecting whether what you are doing uh, is uh, fulfilling your destiny. And it will be fulfilling your destiny if, um, if it's the possibility that change can occur and the way that change occurs is if it is necessary. Transformation is not something you do. A transformation is something <clears throat> that occurs if it's necessary to something greater than yourself. So, in the same way that if you are a stand for something, in order for that stand, or for that something to manifest, then your speaking and acting has to be consistent with that stand. In the same way, if you are a space through which something can occur, or yeah, if you're a space through which something can occur, then um, and main, then the work that is necessary, then, so then your work, your speaking and acting, or your being, your being must be consistent with maintaining a space, maintaining that space. So what does that mean? What, what does that mean that your being and acting is consistent with maintaining a space? 